It's me, Huntley, with Caitlin, Andy, and David tonight. Uh, Caitlin's going to be the lead on the show, so hi. Ready? Hi. Hey, guys. <laughs> hi. 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 Good night. So tell us what you're going to tell us about. Okay. Well, have you guys ever heard of Folia Do? No. I have because of you. It's true. <laughs> okay. Well, I I'm gonna tell you all about it tonight. I'm gonna tell you a couple different stories. Um, I'm actually gonna start out with a case report that is I'm going to read it from a journal because it's clear, concise, and to the point. Um, and I I just really it's got a it's full of pertinent information and um, it's from the Jefferson Journal of Psychiatry, and I'm going to start out with that, and then we'll go from there. So this is a case report from January 1993, and there are a husband and a wife in this story, and then one other person. And the husband and wife, I'm just going to um, label as the case re- report does Mr. and Mrs. A. And then the third person in this story is going to be Mr. B. So Mrs. A is a 23-year-old Hispanic female who came to our attention when she was admitted to the forensic unit of a state psychiatric hospital. After one month of hospitalization, she was discharged from the psychiatric hospital and transferred to a state correctional facility. She was transferred back to the initial psychiatric hospital six months later. Mrs. A admitted experience auditory hallucinations when she was very young, hearing strange noises and footsteps in her home. At the age of 14 years, she frequented the beach with her family and conversed with a male voice that told her she would meet a man who was fair-skinned, tall, big-eared, compassionate, caring, and loving, and he would end her loneliness. During periods when she was unable to speak with the ocean, she would speak to the stars and the moon. Her parents harassed her for talking to the moon and called her crazy. Mrs. A denied any physical or sexual abuse as a child, but claimed that she did not have a happy childhood and was emotionally neglected by her parents. She felt that she was not a part of her family and isolated herself from them. She later isolated herself from others, frequently spending time alone during her adolescent years, trot from school, reading romantic novels, and abusing alcohol. There was no known psychiatric illness in Mrs. A's family. However, she does recall her maternal grandmother being called a witch by neighbors because she was able to speak with spirits. Mrs. A's family practiced Esperitsmo, a religion in which spirits are able to contact the living through predisposed mediums. Mrs. A said that she is a believer of the religion, but is not as avid as her other family members. Mr. A is a 27-year-old Hispanic male who is diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia at the age of eight. The primary disturbances in his thought content include delusions of being controlled, delusions of reference, and persecutory delusions. His disturbances in perception consist primarily of command, visual, and auditory hallucinations. 
The patient's thought content consists of three primary good demons named Romanoff, the Baron, and LaBelle. And second, uh, I'm sorry, and 19 secondary evil and good demons. As a child, Mr. A did not have many friends and was the focus of ridicule by his peers. Mr. A was an only child and stated that his family was dysfunctional with a domineering and physically abusive father and a passive mother. He remembered informing his father of the children at school taunting him, and his father's reaction was to place a gun in Mr. A's hand and urged him to shoot them. Dang. Yeah. Mr. A took out a personal ad in a singles magazine seeking a companion. Mrs. A replied, and a couple was married, and the couple was married within one week. On their wedding night, Mrs. A first saw Mr. A become possessed by the demon Romanoff. Mr. A. Romanoff stated that he was the god of the ocean with whom she conversed throughout her childhood. Initially, she was startled and afraid, but as the night progressed, her fear was replaced with relief as she became reacquainted with her childhood companion. The couple continued to isolate themselves from society. Over the next few years, the frequency of Mr. A's possessions increased, and Mrs. A became familiar with the other demons in his delusions and integrated them into her world. She never had personal contact with these demons, but was informed of their existence by Mr. A or Romanoff. She continued to have auditory hallucinations, but now experienced tactile and visual hallucinations as well. The principal demon in the couple's psychosis was Romanoff, who was described as a fallen angel with grayish black wings and possessed a sword with gems upon it. LaBelle was described as a tall, beautiful lady dressed in silver with long silver hair and who carries a chalice full of blood from Mrs. A's enemies. Since the introduction of the Baron to Mrs. A through Romanoff, the Baron has existed solely in Mrs. A's dreams. He does not speak to her, but only points to inanimate objects. She described the Baron as a tall gentleman dressed in black who carried a sword. Despite Romanoff and the Baron's common goal of protecting the couple, they are consistently in conflict with one another. The couple moved from state to state, attempting to find Mr. A a steady job. Romanoff predicted the destination of the couple would travel to and the outcomes of each relocation. Throughout their travels, Mr. and Mrs. A experienced financial and social difficulties. Romanoff also predicted that Mrs. A would be raped and that Mr. A was to die in their latest place of relocation. Despite this prediction, the couple again relocated and invested in a handgun. The auditory hallucinations and delusions continued to plague the couple. One night, while dining at a restaurant, Mr. A saw two strangers, Mr. B and Mr. C, laughing between themselves and perceived their laughter as being directed towards him. After arguing, Mr. and Mrs. A returned to their apartment to avoid further escalation of the situation. While at the apartment, Mr. A once again became Romanoff. He informed Mrs. A that the enemies were laughing at us. You must kill them or they will kill you. Mr. and Mrs. A then returned to the restaurant where Mr. A shot and killed both Mr. B and Mr. C. The couple fled to their apartment where Romanoff now informed them to kill themselves. A dual suicide was then attempted. 
Mrs. A swallowed vaginal suppositories, perfume, and allergy pills. Mode of Mr. The mode for suicide for Mr. A was not remembered by the patient. The police then traced the couple to their apartment where they were discovered, arrested, and admitted to a psychiatric hospital. Shared psychosis basically is the what that folly do means is that essentially so, yes. Folia do is what what this uh, episode and that case report is all about. And folia do is obviously French, and when translated, it means um, uh, it means madness of two or madness for two. And the name wasn't established until 1877. But there actually was a case that kind of everybody seems to go ahead and um, uh, give it credit to Folly Adu. They just didn't call it back then. It was in 1563. And it was when a uh, case in nuns became affected in mass by a demonic possession. So, I mean, that can, Andy, I mean, I'm sure you would have a lot to say about that. Oh, my God. Um, I was actually curious about the what was the name of the religion again that you mentioned? The es- it was Esper. What was it? Esperito. Um, hang on. I'm curious about something because one of those characters e- is in E S P I R I T I S M O Esperitimo. So I don't know anything about that. Um, I'm curious, but all right. It's yeah. A term used in Latin America and the Caribbean to refer to the popular belief that good and evil spirits can affect health, luck, and other as- aspects of human life. Hmm. Interesting. Um, <clears throat> I was curious because uh, the Baron um, is could be Baron Samadhi. Um, the um, which is more for, uh, you know, Voodoo, Voodoo and things like that, but that's still Caribbean religions. And they all have a lot of overlap um, from the the African religions that they inherited, uh, sadly, due to the slave trade. So there's like, it's all like this hodgepodge of beliefs and like Christianity is mixed in with a lot of them and stuff like that. So I wonder if that's Baron Samadhi that the guy was thinking he was channeling i guess i don't know um i'm not, I'm not sure well, but let me uh let me elaborate a little bit on um uh shared psychosis uh so the an actual definition for it would be psychosis of association or shared paranoia disorder and it's a syndrome when paranoid delusions are transferred from one individual to or more other susceptible persons so this can actually happen between two people three people four people or a family or a whole group of people but the most common type is just between two people when um there's a primary who is dominant intelligent forceful and autonomous and the secondary person who is dependent submissive highly suggestible less intelligent passive infantile and prone more prone to hysteria than the um than the primary subject would be um so some first of all this is a very 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 rare uh rare thing to happen and it's not even really recognized 
um, by like major, um, like the major mental health uh, so movement, I guess. APA. Correct. Yes. Gotcha. But um, what what is recognized commonly uh, when when people are talking about folly ado is that it's most likely to happen when the subject are, are separated from society, but spend all their time together and right. and are uh, they're typically incredibly close. Most of the time they they're biologically related, but that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. Um so, uh, yep, I just went through all that. And also, the psychosis typically ends when the uh, subjects afflicted are, are separated. So, actually, uh, um, in the doctor's report of the case that I just read, m- once m- Mr. and Mrs. A were separated, uh, I believe at first they were given uh, like phone rights and visitation rights, and their psychosis continued being the same, if not got worse. So at that point, they stopped all communication between the two, and they got better. I gotcha. Hmm. Yeah, so, and he's in prison now, um, yeah. still, I believe, uh, but I, I don't think she is anymore. Well, she would be so, a prime candidate for something like that, uh, coming from a neglectful childhood, uh, feeling that sense that she never belonged, stuff like that. So that's all the traits right there for somebody to become codependent very quickly. Absolutely. Um, the right I, person. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to, I wanted to tell that story just because I did think it was really interesting and a really great example of Folly Ado, but it's not the one I really want to spend the most um, time on. So if you guys are okay with it, I would really like to move on because there's some really cool stuff that I want to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, let's go for it. Um, So I am first going to give some honorable mentions because you guys may have heard of some of these people just not realizing it. Uh, Have any of you guys heard of Leopold and Loeb? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so they no. they were two guys in their twenties in nineteen twenty four that um, they kidnapped and murdered a fourteen year old boy very very violently. I don't know that I necessarily agree that it was um, shared delusion with those two. They just seemed like privileged white boys that were bored and wanted something to do. Um, however. I'm going to assume that all three of you have heard of Morgan Geyser and Anissa Wire, who tried to, when they were 12 years old, murder their friend for a um, for the Slender Man. And um, the victim actually survived, even though she got stabbed several times. Yeah, I remember. Uh, I remember that case when it first happened. And then I yeah, remember the documentary that followed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen the documentary. Okay. Yeah, well, it's a good one. Cool. And then um, the most popular one that comes up when you when you Google Fale Adu or when you listen to another podcast talk about it is Ursula and Sabina Erickson. And um, they are two sisters uh, in... Um, in Europe somewhere, I forget, forget where, but it ha- in 2008, they ran into oncoming traffic, not once, but twice, both of them, and they both survived. They are both alive still. One of them... In what went, condition, though? 
Um, they're, one of them is in prison still because she murdered a man in cold blood and the other one is like living her best life. Again, once they were separated, um, the, the condition kind of fixed itself. So the next story I'm going to tell you guys is about the Trump family and I want to talk about this because it's, it, it's a family and it affected, there's five people in the story, but it really only affected four of them, but it's fascinating. And what happened was in 2016, um, two, uh, a mother and a father, and their three adult children who were 22, 25, and 29 at the time left their farm in Melbourne, close to Melbourne, Australia, and um, left their passports, their credit cards, all of their pedigree information, um, all laid out like on their table, on their kitchen table, along with all of their very important financial documents, very neatly organized by date and uh, like type of transaction with their doors to their house open their all of their keys were left in the ignitions of each of their cars and they all left a 15 acre farm that they had been running for the last 8 years that was a red currant berry farm that was the main source of their income and not only did they just leave with all of those bizarre details, but during the time period that they left was a really, really important time for irrigation and fertilization of their crop. Um, so their, their names are Mark and Jacoba Trump. They have a daughter, Rihanna, a son, Mitchell, and another daughter, Ella. And uh, Rihanna is 22, Mitchell is 25, and Ella is 29. They all got in the car together, and Mitchell, I don't know if he smuggled it in or if the rest of the family knew, but he he got his phone into the car with them, and he was actually the only one that was not under this illusion. He went with them to because he was curate, curious as fuck, and because he wanted to make sure they were okay, which is another reason why he tried, you know, brought their cell phone. But everybody else in the car was completely freaked out and paranoid that they were being watched and followed, that um, the members of their community were going to come after them and rob them and kill them all. And they went on this bizarre drive where they rode around Australia for like more than a thousand miles. And they each got out at different points of the trip. Mitchell was the first to leave after um, the first day. And later he said that he regretted leaving because um, obviously, you know, his family could have been in danger, although nothing tragic did end up happening with this story. I'll just go ahead and let you guys know right now. Um, but he, he left them and took several trains to get back home because again, he had no passport. He had no credit card. He had no phone because 13 miles into the journey, the family freaked out and made him toss his phone out the window. So 
that happened after the first night they left. Now, on, on day two, the girls broke off. And they broke off by stealing a car because Ella, the 29-year-old, realized that her horses were at home and she needed to get back to them and feed and take care of them in all seriousness. Um, So they stole a car, left their parents, made a police report nowhere near the town they were in or the town they were from. Um, um, Like reporting their missing parents. Rihanna, then she was left at a gas station and she made her way into a random stranger's truck bed who drove for an hour before realizing she was in there. And when he finally realized she was in there, he pulled over and tried talking to her and she was completely catatonic. She spent two months in a psychiatric facility before she could like speak again and function properly. Um, Ella made it back to the farm and that's where she was found by the police. Mitchell, her brother ended up there the day after that. Her, um, the mother was found a a couple days later, wandering around a street without a car or anything on her. And she was, um, the article says paranoid and in, in an agitated state. And she was also hospitalized in a mental facility for six months. Uh, the dad was found last, and he was also found wandering around a road somewhere. Um, he was okay. He was looked over by the police and questioned and discharged. And nothing happened. Um, I guess it kind of felt like dominoes and just kind of separated. Exactly. Uh, Something that I think is really cool that in Australia, apparently their laws are um, just much more accepting of mental health and trauma. And even the family who um, got had their car stolen didn't even press charges like the girls didn't even get in trouble for that. Everybody just recognized that this was something like very problematic that happened. No members of the family had any history of um, mental health issues, no history of issues with the law, uh, nothing. The family had no debt, no debts. They weren't religious. They were not in any cults. They loved each other dearly and they had no enemies. Hmm. So weird. That's weird. So it was just, just temporary shared psychosis. Yeah. And I wonder what the how, trigger would be. Yeah, what would like? Is there any indication what triggered it? In so the that's another reason that this story is really interesting because they the family still hasn't really talked about it, and the the I believe the younger the younger sister and the brother gave a very short interview two months after everything had happened because all of Australia, all of the news channels and newspapers like blew up with this story and like the entire continent knew who these people were. So when made their, you know, when they made their announcement, they were like, we wish we could tell you what happened, but we still don't know. Um, they were renovating their house and they were all running a farm together, which is obviously a seven day a week job. 
but Mm -hmm. there was no like obvious red flag trigger, you know, to, to make this happen. Did they, is there any note of how old the house was? Um, not super old. They had been living there for eight years and I believe they built the house or it was built very shortly before they moved in. Everything was very modern. They had a swimming pool and all nice new things. What year was this? 2016. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Never mind. Okay. That rules out. I was thinking if they were renovating. Like a, yeah. Um, maybe lead or some other chemicals or something. I don't know. But no, I guess that kind of. So chemicals yeah. were also ruled out because it should have gotten better once the family left and went away from the house. And it didn't That's until terrible. they all split up and separated. And also yeah. because they were a farm and producing you know, like they wouldn't have been the only ones to get affected. Other people in yeah. their surrounding areas would have been affected as well. I was, I was curious, just thinking, because there's all there are certain things like mercury and lead that if they get into your body, they'll like mm-hmm. slowly drive you insane. But yeah, the they, they ruled that out. They also ruled out CO2 poisoning because that can also do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Interesting. <laughs> okay. Well, that kind of yeah. covers the basis. Yeah. That man, that's a mystery. That's crazy. I don't know. I don't have any yeah. ideas on that one. So that's not the best one. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Both of these stories that I've told you so far are kind of majorly recognized almost anywhere you look into it as followed you um, circumstances. The last story I want to tell you guys is not one that any that I've heard anybody correlate with Folly or any kind of shared psychosis. I just think the story is fascinating. Every piece of information you find out, there's just another question to go along with it. And, um, it just is kind of, in, in my mind, I would like to theorize that this could have also been a case of Folly Ado. Okay. So, have any of you guys heard of the Yuba County Five? I have. No. Currently, David, no? Okay. Well, okay. It happened in 1968, and five friends all went out to a basketball game. Bill Sterling was 29, Jack Hewitt was 24, Ted Wire was 32, Jack Madruga was 30, and Gary Mathias was 25. Now, the way all these guys knew each other was because they were uh, a, they were all members of what we would consider like a, a special, um, uh, like a special mental health group, I guess, or um, some kind of gym for like people with special needs. And three three of the guys, Bill, Jack, and Ted, they were diagnosed with and. I'm using the wording of the time from the article that I read. They were diagnosed with mental retardation. If you look further into the story, all five of these guys were more likely just on an autism or Asperger's spectrum of some kind. Um, Jack Madruga and Gary Mathias both had driver's licenses. And at some point, all of these guys had held some kind of menial job. They did all live at home with their 
parents and they were always going to live at home with their parents. They didn't stay the night out. They were friends with each other. Uh, one of the guys was pretty religious, but other than that, they spend time with their families. They spent time at this community center playing basketball and going to basketball games. That was really what they bonded over and hanging out together. So one night they went to a basketball game, a college basketball game. And the next day they had their own basketball game at the community center that they played out. And they were, they were all really, really excited about it. They all had all their uniforms laid out for it and everything ready to go. And, um, just like super pumped and they were going to go to the game and come home and stay the night in their beds just like they did every single night for the rest of their lives or, you know, previously. Except when they left the basketball game, instead of going back home, they drove 70 miles in the opposite direction from any of their homes. And the last person to see any of these guys alive was a clerk at a gas station that they stopped at um, just to get a few snacks um, before they left, these guys were not dressed for the weather. It was in February. And while it is in California, it's in Northern California. And, um, the area that they, uh, were driving to was, um, was, uh, towards Chico. Yeah. Like February, Northern. No, no, it's not. It's not. As frigid as say like the northeast, but yes, it's going to be you know rainy, windy, foggy, chilly. It's it's not every. It's not like a, all sunshine and you know gnarly, tasty waves or whatever. No, it, it's cold. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> especially right. If you're from, and... Especially if you're from that area, it, it's it's your winter. Yeah, for sure. And so the guys weren't dressed like super, um, super warm because it wasn't, it wasn't even unseasonably cool that night or anything. They were, they were young, athletic guys, you know, and they were just in like whatever jeans and a t-shirt for the most part, like very, very casual clothes. They, none of them enjoyed being outdoors. None of them enjoyed being cold. None of them liked doing anything like that. And none of them had any reason to be in the area that they were in. Um, so it was really, really weird when their car was found uh, the next day, uh, kind of up a snowbank of a mountain. And it, it had gotten stuck, but when the group of people found it who did it it would have been nothing for these five guys to get to to get the car out it looks like the tires spun out but the car started right up when it was hot wired it had still a quarter of a tank of gas and it moved very easily um the car that that they were driving was this old ass, um, Monte Montegro or something. And apparently it has like a very low undercarriage and it's very easily, um, like fucked, I guess. And it was driven so, so carefully and slowly up the mountain that nothing had been damaged. Like there was no part of this car that was messed up whatsoever. Um, the windows were rolled down, but nothing was broken. And the, um, all of their snacks that they had gotten were the wrappings and everything were inside of the car. 
Um, and none, none of the guys were anywhere around. So Head's body was the first one that was found. And he was found frozen frozen to death and starved to death in a bed in a bed um in a trailer that was about 60 feet from uh where the car was found eight sheets were tucked around his whole head and his whole body um his shoes were missing there was a table by the bed that had his ring and a necklace and a wallet with his money um but there were also some other things there that didn't belong to him and a window to the trailer had been broken um and not repaired so this is a very very weird scenario um the guy's ted's feet were very very frostbitten to the point where it looked like he probably wouldn't have been able to get up and walk around or do anything but it's weird that he was totally like tucked and wrapped the way he was and that his feet or that his shoes were missing um also when he left for the game he was 200 pounds um but by the time he was found he had lost between 80 and 100 and 100 pounds um yeah and (laughs) so they had found these people the next day no it wasn't the next day um his body was just the first body that was found they they had to wait for the um snow to melt um but it so i'm getting there though based by the growth growth of his facial hair um it was possible that he had been living in that trailer freezing to death and starving to death from eight to 13 weeks before he was found. And the most fucked up part about that is that if it, he had in fact been alive for that whole 13 weeks, he would have died just days before he was found. Um, so there were some other really weird things about that trailer. Um, there was a propane tank that was in a all the, all they would have had to have done was turn this propane tank on and they would have had heat in the trailer uh there were um there were like kind of cabinets in the outer perimeters i guess with uh like mre um and uh sea ration cans that had to be opened with a very special um army can opener that was there and that jack madruga and gary mathis knew how to use because they had both spent time in the military and a dozen cans were opened but there was enough food to last all five of those guys for a year in the in those pantries and there were two pantries and only one of them had been opened. the other one wasn't even opened at all Again, just fucking weird information. Um, investigators and police and everything got involved. They they did everything they could. They brought in a water witcher who used divination rods to try to help. They um, used a psychic and actually like tracked down leads that the psychic gave to, to absolutely no avail. Um, but yeah, I just think that was interesting that they, you know, kind of were even willing to go that far. And again, this was in 1969. Mm -hmm. So 
Jack Madruga and Bill Serling were found the day after um, Ted was found, and they they were about eleven miles from um, from where that trailer had been, and uh, no one knows they 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 were just remains. Like animals had destroyed their bodies, and um, there's like absolutely no way to tell how they died or when or anything um there were basically only bones left um really sadly and then same thing with um the fourth boy jackie hewitt it was just his spinal cord that was found and uh his father is actually the one that found it yeah um gary mathis has never been found and to this day no one knows what happened to him um yeah so every time i read this story and listen to this story it's just like more and more questions why leave the car um why hike 11 miles up the mountain and not only eight miles back down the mountain where there was a hotel and restaurant bar thing that they would have had to have passed on the way up. Um, why, why didn't they turn on the gas in the trailer? Why didn't they eat any food? Why did they drive 70 miles in the opposite direction? And um, where is Gary Mathias? Because there are so many unanswered questions and because it is such just a fucking weird thing that happened that no one really has any answers for, I think this is a pretty, I mean, a pretty good example of Fale Adu, but, you know, for a group of people, all these guys were really, really close. And I don't know, I just... Yeah, this one's always puzzled me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How long did they know each other before this happened? Years. Like, um, not not since childhood, but I'm going to say, like, you know, high school and later. I gotcha. Hmm. Yeah. And... curious like we'll we'll never know what was going through their heads because they're all dead but was there any kind of speculation by investigators of like why they did it no not at all and um there is another part that (laughs) i didn't even tell you guys about um the very same night those guys went up that mountain there was another man joseph shones he's 55 years old he's a married man he was taking a trip up that mountain because he was just scouting it out basically because he wanted to take his family up there and just kind of hang out hike camp whatever and that's the reason we know about the bar and hotel eight miles in the opposite direction of the car because that's where joseph was staying so he drives his car up this mountain he gets stuck in the snow so realizes that you know this is not a good idea to take my family on so while he's trying to push his car out of the snow he has a heart attack it wasn't a severe heart attack he struggles and suffers through it in his car but while he's having a heart attack two different groups 
walk by his car at two different times, one of them being this group of guys that he, of course, didn't realize at the time was these group of guys. They put that together like weeks after, you know, like after the guys had been found, Joseph goes in and talks to the cops and is like, hey, this weird thing happened. And I didn't mention at the time because I didn't know. But he also like within the same kind of short period of time, saw a woman carrying a baby too. So he could have been hallucinating. Um, He had, you know, he was in the dark by himself, probably freaking out, having a heart attack. Uh, He, it's weird that he would have seen those guys too. Mm -hmm. You know? I don't know. Yeah, and how many weeks in of this seeing them uh, were they missing? Oh, their families all knew immediately. So the cops were involved at eight o'clock the night. Uh, the basketball game they went to was on a Friday night. Their game was mm-hmm. on Saturday morning. By Saturday night, the police and the community were involved. I think the next day is when they found the car. And then um, I think it was about six weeks after that they found the first body. I gotcha. Hmm. And this, yeah, I've never really known what to make of this. Yeah, this one. and this yeah. Shones person. Well, mm-hmm. do we have a timeline of when he saw them? No, like, we know. Well, I mean, because of his heart attack and everything, I don't he I know that he got stuck up the mountain at about 530. And then that's when he got out and started trying to push his car out and had his heart attack. Don't really know, you know, how long he laid there. He he laid in his car until it ran out of gas like he was, you know, running it to kind of keep warm, thinking that somebody would come and help him. So. It was a bug, you know, I'm guessing a 50 or 60s model bug. Uh, So however much gas is in the tank, however long, maybe four or five hours, maybe six. And then he had to hike back down the mountain. Oh, after having a heart attack. After having a heart attack. Yeah. And uh, this this pregnant woman, well, not Mm -hmm. the uh, woman carrying a baby. Was there any... We know even less about her. Yeah. Unless they just let it go. Right. Because he, I think he even said himself, Joseph um, was like, you know, I, I was having a heart attack. It's totally possible that I hallucinated that. And I mean, I think they probably did try to look into it as much as they could, but just absolutely nothing came from it. And there, there's just nowhere, there's nowhere to go. I mean, they found like some random things in the, area that the remains were found and in the trailer but like a a bunch of the stuff that they found all of the families said none of it belonged to any of the guys um on that table that i said in the trailer by uh, where ted's body was found there was a gold wristwatch that was missing a diamond out of it but everybody said that it didn't belong to ted or any of the other boys and there there's just there are no clues it Every time I hear this story, it fucks me up so bad because it is so frustrating and I just don't understand what the fuck happened to these guys. Yeah. Hmm. So the first body was found um, 
his feet were frostbitten to the point where he probably he wouldn't, wouldn't have been able to walk. Yeah, no, he okay. wouldn't have been, been yeah. able to walk. But it also, see, the way it, it makes it sound to me is that the way the sheets had been put around him was like someone had already done that after he died. But yeah. I don't know. I mean, that's just what yeah, my brain was, was doing. Yeah, that's what um, my brain was doing, too. Uh, and then the guy that was just a spinal cord, I guess, got eaten by animals, maybe. Yeah. Maybe, but also all three of those guys. Who knows what the fuck happened? Because, yeah. because why, why did they go 70 miles away from their houses, right? Like, that, that seems weird. Why did they go up the mountain and then abandon their car that was totally fine, that had gas? Like, if they were in some kind of danger or like running from something or were scared, like saw something that they felt they shouldn't have seen. Just because, you know, you think, well, maybe somebody chased them up the mountain. Maybe somebody did something to them, but um, te- the, the only body that could have an autopsy at all, there were no, there was no foul play. He, he starved to death and he froze. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's what's that's what's curious to me is that two things. Even in like the wildest moments of me just being like spur of the moment, let's do have an adventure. It's never been like you know what I'm going to drive seventy miles. Well, I, I take that back. I have driven to yeah. reach on a whim, uh, yeah. but I haven't driven up a mountain. And decided to get out of my car unprepared for said mountain. Right. Like with no, like one of the guys was wearing like, um, like 70s style platform shoes. Yeah. Like these yeah, guys were not dressed for, no, like, and the amount of snacks that they bought was like, it was like a candy bar for each guy and, and like a soda or something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So there are a lot of several like members of the family think that they were scared, which is why I brought that up. Um, One of the sister-in-laws especially is like, I think they saw something they shouldn't have seen or, you know, somebody did something to them. But there's no evidence of that at all. No. Yeah. uh and it would have to be something that they saw on the mountain, not beforehand. Not well, necessarily. Maybe not. If they were just on the run. But, yeah, but on the run from what, though? Or, like, yeah, exactly. That, that's it. But the gas station that they stopped at wasn't, wasn't super far away, but it still wasn't in the direction of their houses. So, like... Yeah. I guess maybe they could have seen something that happened at the gas station and that could have had them keep going. But why drive in that direction at all? Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying is that right. say that they saw something outside the community center for the basketball mm-hmm. gang. OK, so maybe they're just like, well, let's drive to this gas station a little out of the way. Let the heat die or whatever they thought or like call the fucking police. So that would it's- leave me thinking mm-hmm. that. If they saw something that scared the shit out of them, they were already trapped on that mountain. 
Yeah, that's that doesn't answer take. why they went there in the first place. No, though. it doesn't answer why they went there in the first place. And I yeah. can speculate. Yeah. I could speculate that they were drawn to it for some reason. Right. That's what it sounds like, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, that's how something I feel. Was drawing them to it. Yeah. Something mm-hmm. was. Yeah. Something was drawing them there. And we're just going to go outside of uh, traditional theories, but of like, course, my take would be <laughs> something drew them there, and then they're just like, "All right, let's do this." And then when they get there, they realize, oh, shit, this is not a good idea, but it's too late. Maybe the woman was some sort of spirit or something or or something like that. And the man could see it because he was having a heart attack and was between life and death. Yeah, he was in life and death. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Uh, Do we have a time where he saw the boys, well, the men and the pregnant women? Like how sp- the woman with the baby, how spread out was that? So all the only all of that happened in the time when he was like having his heart attack in his car, like hanging so out there. Pretty, so pretty there's close not together. really pretty close. Yeah, so, I mean, within hours at least. But here's the I I didn't I debated bringing this up or not. Depending on what version of the story you read, sometimes it says that he saw them all together, the boys and the mother and the baby. And sometimes mm-hmm. the story says that it it was two different sightings. So I got there's you. just so another we, thing we just, that the, weave into everything. Yeah, the water's too murky to know exactly mm-hmm. what happened. Hmm. It's almost like yeah. a siren or something, you know? A siren <clears throat> or yeah, just some kind of yeah. ghostly figure <laughs> demonic or whatever shepherding them up to the mountain to their death yeah to their death <clears throat> causing madness or, like no. aliens, yeah. and that's where gary matthias went yeah well yeah, that's aliens. a good question yeah that yeah, yeah. we have most of the bodies except for one yeah where is gary yeah. what happened <laughs> to gary yeah also with the bones were they all in the same area? Like, so, how, how did they find the bones of the Um, they, they were kind of in the same area, but not, like, directly. Uh, it, one was in the trailer, and then it kind of seemed like there was, like, a road, and, a, like, maybe a few yards past that on either side of the road. It was, like, one body scattered over here and one body scattered over here. And then, um, and then a few more yards away from one of those bodies is where the the last boy was found, the one whose father found his spine. So, like, kind okay. of in the general vicinity, I'm gonna say probably like within two football fields, all of each other. I, I would guess. Gotcha. Yeah. So definitely not standing together or like anywhere within you know 10 feet of each other yeah right Um, but you also can't assume that that's how they died though because they very well could have died all together and then animals just do what animals do you know And 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 the one got away ted and but you know had nowhere to go probably That's another thing, weird no. thing too. Like, why is only he in the trailer? Why didn't they all go into the trailer? Why weren't they all in there yeah. together? Well, maybe he, maybe he got away. Whatever went down, maybe he got away. <laughs> but just being incapable, 
And we don't know how long he was out and about. But maybe he well, got away. Maybe he knew where Gary was. Maybe him and Gary were the last ones to survive. Whatever happened. And he wandered. Gary, something happened to Gary, and he wandered down. And he just used the last of his strength to get into that trailer, but wasn't enough. Hmm. But Maybe. it seemed like someone tucked him in, kind of like you said. Yeah, somebody yeah. tucked him in. Maybe somebody it's found him afterwards, point. or maybe Gary tucked him in. Oh, maybe Gary a- tucked him in. Was like, "Hey, I'm going to go right. get us help, Ted," and just never came back. Yeah. Yeah. Also, at some point, someone did have to be in that trailer, other than. Ted, who was the man that was found deceased in the trailer, because Ted was not one of the guys that knew how to use that can opener that you had to use to open the food that was in the trailer. So at some point, Jack Madruga or Gary Mathias had to have been in that trailer. Yeah, I would go with Gary because I would go with Gary and Ted made it back to the trailer. And once again, speculation just for... But Gary, Ted made it to the trailer, and Gary was like, hey, man, get, try to warm yourself up, tucked him in the sheets, and he was just like, I'm going to go get help. And then whatever drew them there or whatever circumstances got them there and caused the deaths of the others, got him. Um, one thing I wanted to bring up, because we're talking about shared psychosis, is uh, the dancing plagues. I'm glad you brought that oh, up. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the dancing plagues. Those have always puzzled me. Of just like people yeah. just dancing until they get sick and collapse. So and, I thought about bringing that up, but I don't know. Do you think that's because most of the time the people are really, really, really close, and that that affects so many people. Like those dancing plagues affect. Especially that one that like took all the children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Pied Piper. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, is there in there one that's like laughter as well? I think or something. Yes. Yeah. Where you can't stop laughing. Yeah. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. God. Yeah, I don't know. That dancing play. The yeah, the dancing plagues easily could be. I guess. I don't know, but. Obviously, stuff wasn't as well documented back then. No, no, not at all. <laughs> no. Yeah. It, Everything was blamed on the devil. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, uh, that's kind scene. of where the general dancing plagues, dance mania, whatever you want to call it, that was blamed on. Like, more likely, it was going to be ergot poisoning or something that, you know, disease that damaged the, the brain. Mm-hmm. But why so many of them? At once, like yeah. there's there's many cases in the medieval times of just like people just dancing and dancing and dancing till they collapse. And uh, on the laughing thing, what about crying? Like share cries. Mm. I've I heard remember, it about uh, singing too. Yeah, singing. So okay, this is interesting because this seems like, it's almost like people Sorry. are forming some kind of. Did you say DDR? Oh god, yes. <laughs> no. Uh, is it's almost like people are forming some kind of like hive mind super 
emotional hive mind right like they're almost just becoming hyper emotionally connected and they just like whatever kind emotion like being in a echo chamber yeah 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 very much a feed- um a feedback loop yeah the first story reminds me of the movie bug did anybody watch the movie bug Mm-mm. bug maybe has so. ashley judd and uh what's his name He's such a good actor. Michael Shannon, that's it. Oh. And it's an older movie. It came out in 2006. But it's about a couple, uh, a damaged person that thinks he sees bugs everywhere. And then he hooks up with a person and they shack up and she starts seeing the bugs crawling all over her too. Hmm. Or under her skin, and just like, yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen the movie. So sorry if I'm does he plot a does he foggy. tell her does he yes. tell her yes he tells about her about him? the bugs, uh, and then later no. on she starts experiencing it. Perception is so interesting, isn't it? Like the fact that one person can be, I don't know. So we think about cult leaders; they can be so magnetic that they can mm-hmm. literally alter your perception towards theirs you know it's this is kind of like almost like that happening accidentally in a way with this mm-hmm. but or maybe not with the first story um but yeah the first story is what remind me of bug yeah um, another reason why i wanted to talk about this is because so we're all i mean you know the great quar i this happens to people with Zero history of mental health issues. Zero issues. Yeah. It happens to families and people that love each other, that are isolated from society, but that spend all their time with each other. So, I mean, I'm, what's going to happen to me is what I'm you're saying. Really, I'm, I'm what's going to happen to the, the general world. population? Right. The world I'm really because we're curious. all fucking stuck together. That's we're right. We're all stuck together and we're not getting out enough. Like us that you know just don't yeah. want to. That's a good point. Know, get the shit. Like so many of us are just crammed together, yeah. uh, already stressed out about the world because mm-hmm. there's a goddamn pandemic. And yeah, that that that's what was going through my head. I was just like, what happens when there's just like massive cases of this of people just being like, you know what? I'm going to go to the 7-Eleven and they drive to like the fucking desert out of nowhere and get lost there or what have you. I, I find the boys cases. Uh, I think that there was something there to it with shared psychosis. Yeah. I just want to know what I, was the thing? What was the, the point that brought it there? I wonder yeah. if there's any link to like programs like MK Ultra and stuff. Just thinking like if the, if those programs ever maybe investigated that phenomenon too cuz oh I'm sure they have. Well, cuz you what you were just state. saying. Yeah, and what you were just saying about what's going on right now, um we've all been through a trauma and trauma is like an essential part of mind control techniques whether it be cults or mm-hmm. um governments or uh you know so you have to be wary i guess of what you're being told right now to believe because they've already 
you know, like they've already traumatized all of us. And so, and they're trying to get us to be like, this is the perception, right? Yeah. Not to go to, to conspiracy theory, but like, it's still something to think about. Right. So like, mm-hmm. I don't know. They want to force. So like this mass psychosis, I guess maybe it can happen countrywide. If you, if you amp the pressure up enough. I mean, <laughs> I think that's our, I think we're well beyond that point. Andy. Yeah, we're well yeah. beyond that point now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Economic uh, pandemic, economic collapse. Uh, no, yep. really like complete inaction on both political party side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is interesting. What like mm-hmm. what the fuck is like what what could oh, top this God. off? Isolation is also part, isn't isolation? Yes, isolation is part of it too. Yes, uh huh. Mm -hmm. Cutting, making your group be around each other, but cut off from the rest of society. Yes, absolutely. What? What if? What if the masked singer is CIA propaganda? Because so many (laughs) people watch that. Isolated, stressed. I don't know. Now I'm glad oh. I don't watch it. And you put on, oh, I don't that watch was, it either. But just like constantly. That was pre-programming. Yeah, the, those masks. Yeah, there's like, that's part of the programming. <laughs> what if? <laughs> what if, people? But no, really, though. Don't watch the masks. Like, that's my goal. What are, people what, are the, what are the that's other That's why I started like, this entire cool. show. What what are the other steps cults put people through to break them down? Okay, isolation, trauma, right? So what else do we have? Um, sleep like deprivation, uh, de- um, calorie deprivation, physical pain, uh, financial, uh, financial insecurity. That's uh, why they get people okay, well, to sign all their money over. That, that one's and been checked. Some kind off. of yeah. major religious hire, like a god, god or gods. Okay, so are we so expecting a food shortage then? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I don't want to. Think people are already guy. experiencing that. I well, mean, people yeah. already experiencing food shortages and food insecurity. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Those articles circumstances that and <clears throat> yeah, uh, people hoarding. And well, in that article that blew up about like shoplifting and stuff like that, I remember reading that mm-hmm. too. So. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. So I wow. remember when the okay. yeah when this. Yeah, when this when this shit first started going to like grocery stores, if you did not go early, by the time you yeah. got there at night, everything was sold out. Yeah, everything was and gone. So, they were dumping potatoes and milk just in fucking landfills. Yeah. Okay, so we're all being inducted into an, a cult, essentially going through the process nationwide. So the question is, what cult? What's what are they trying to? Make us believe. I don't know. I don't know. The I didn't mean to turn this into a political vote. Cool. Well, do we have any it. more fillet ado? No, I'm done. That's it. You're, I've done. I did so much out. homework. You guys, I have my, I'm like, uh, it's like a beautiful mind in here. There's like papers everywhere. That was fun. <laughs> nice. You're fully, yeah, I heard you flipping through like that. a million pages <laughs> of notes. So many notes. <laughs> I love writing. I miss writing. I am not, I don't like typing on a computer. I don't want to type shit out and print it out. I want to write it. 
unlined paper with like a pen or a mechanical pencil makes me feel so good. It's like that meme Fuck from that. Always Sunny. <laughs> Fuck meme that. of Charlie. Yeah. Oh, the Charlie. Yeah, with the yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so much more yeah. comfortable typing. All yeah. right. Andy, do you want to lead us out? Or do you want me to do it? No, <laughs> no. No, you can have it. It's yours. <laughs> All right. So if you like what you hear, uh, you can subscribe to us on any podcast platform of choice. We're on all the big ones, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and even Amazon Music. And if you uh, want to get some more bonus material, we usually do a second show a week where we answer listeners' questions and we just have a lot of other stuff for only $3 a month. It's the cheapest premium program in the business. So, business at the high kind and have a great night.